All right, this essay is titled Economics, a Universal Acid. Here we go. We take for granted that Darwin's theory of evolution explains every apparent design in the biosphere. Even when we encounter new species and fail to initially explain how its elegant features could have possibly come about, we are confident that the eventual explanation will fit neatly within a Darwinian paradigm. The new atheists, though wrong about many things, were quite right to dismiss the God of the Gaps argument as wholly unsatisfactory. But why are we correct in asserting that Darwin's theory explains all apparent design in the biosphere, both those we've encountered and those unknown? Why should we not be more modest and take the flora and fauna as they come? After all, maybe evolution can explain the adaptations we've come across so far, but Darwin will come up short eventually. Such sheepishness would be a mistake. Darwin's explanation of how design emerges without a designer is universal for all biological entities. The theory makes no exceptions. It does not say, Darwinian theory applies to all organisms humanity has witnessed so far, but no further. Nor, the ideas explain all apparent design that has emerged in the biosphere only in the last century. The theory does not split reality into two classes of entities to explain. It is universal for the entire class of biological entities. That the universality of Darwinian evolution is taken seriously is an instance of philosophical realism. We accept that the consequences of the theory actually explain the world independently of our feelings, our intuitions, and our desires. The same cannot be said about our best explanation of all of the regularities in the economy, namely Austrian economics. We understand the conditions under which wealth grows. Through the hard work of Menger, Hayek, Mises, and others, we can explain how and why societal-scale spontaneous order in an economy emerges out of individuals acting purposefully and locally. We know the role that private property and free trade play in capital accumulation, resource allocation, innovation, and human progress. And, crucially, we know why those mechanisms are superior to those of public property and taxation. Our best ideas in economics explain all of this. That these ideas are not widely known is indeed a travesty. But a lesser appreciated travesty is that among those who do understand these ideas, they fail to take them seriously. They fail to accept that private property and free trade are superior not just in the economizing of milk and shoes, but in the production of law, courts, and defense. Plenty of political pundits, public intellectuals, and politicians do understand these ideas enough, even if not quite Austrian in their mind's eye, to apply them to certain sectors of the economy, but rare is he who applies them to all goods and services. Democratic presidential candidate Robert F. Kennedy Jr., for example, has said that freedom and free markets are a much better way to stop pollution. You show me a polluter, I'll show you a fat cat using political clout to escape the discipline of the free market. Yet he also wants to break up too-big-to-fail banks, rather than, say, remove government intervention in the banking sector that causes such concentration in the first place. Classical liberals are an even starker example, since they often possess a deep understanding of all the nooks and crannies of economics, 
and they take the ideas almost to their logical conclusion. Yet they reject the idea that private property and free trade could possibly provide the production, enforcement, and adjudication of law better than could public property and taxation, even in principle. But the line they draw is arbitrary, as much as declaring that Darwin's theory stops with the fishes of the sea. Finally, the ascendant so-called national conservatives, while offering many valuable critiques of the establishment right, are outright rejecting the economic lessons of their Reaganite forebears. See, for example, the works of Newsweek's Josh Hammer and Compact Magazine founder Sara Bamari for examples. But economic principles constrain what's possible, whether or not we want these constraints to be real. New rightists mock those who continue to respect the lessons of dead economists as naive, but it is they, in fact, who are thinking with their hearts and not their minds. Like Darwinian evolution, the principles of economics are universal for all scarce resources, all goods and services, all purposeful action. Taking these principles seriously means that we don't get to pick and choose where to draw the line.